thank God you pushed me to go out on that date because they're amazing and now they're dating again. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Christy Price. Christy is a certified matchmaker, dating and success mindset coach, and founder of KP Matchmaking. She has a profound passion for creating genuine connections, and her unique matchmaking process allows her clients to have fun while finding the one. Christy strives to help clients create a life they love and realize their personal power and self-worth. She's a big believer in loving yourself before you can love someone else. So once you've healed from your betrayal, you may be ready to date. Need some help to get you out there? I'm having a conversation with certified matchmaker and dating coach Christy to help you do just that. Join me for this conversation before you hit the dating scene. Here we go. Okay, everybody, we are talking with Christy Price. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because you know we're all about healing from betrayal. But once you've healed, once you've healed and you are ready for the new 2.0 version of you, uh, you you have the the 2.0 version of you, how do you meet that 2.0 other? Well, that's why I brought in Christy. She's going to talk all about it. Welcome, Christy. Hi, Debbie. It's great to see you, and thank you for having me on your show. Of course. So, Christy, just so everybody knows, Christy is a matchmaker. And um, and I would love to know, first of all, how you got into that. And then we'll talk about, you know, creating this, this new version of you. And then how do you position that new version of you in the dating world? So tell us how you got into it, first of all. All right. Well, I got divorced 17 years ago. And when I got out of my divorce, I had no idea how to date. I mean, he was a good guy, just couldn't really hold a job, but good person. And then I started dating the charismatic, fun guys. I didn't know how to set good boundaries. I didn't know my self-worth after the divorce because I didn't give myself time to heal, as you're talking about. Even though I left him, there's still that grieving process. So um, I stopped dating, did a lot of work on myself, you know, soul searching, learning how to set better boundaries, learning to see red flags while dating. And I started helping my friends. Like they're like, "Wow, we see something different in you, and the quality of life you're creating for yourself, and the men you're dating, and you see so positive." So, would you help us? And I had men help ask me too, get out back out there and date in a more effective way and attracting the right kind of people. So I started with the dating coaching first to try to help people not make the same mistakes I did after divorce because I was a bit of a train wreck. I just jumped right back out there. And then my clients asked me to start matchmaking for them. Like, we don't have time to online date. We don't have time to really go out there or the desire to go meet people. So will you find people that are mutually aligned with our life and relationship goals and set us up? So that's how I got this started. I love that. And before we get into that, that piece of it, I want to know, because I know everybody's thinking like, because there are so many different ways we can heal. And you know, within PBT, it is a multi-pronged approach. You need to heal physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And for you to go right from the divorce, right into dating. Yeah. That, I mean, no surprise that that <laughs> didn't work out when, <laughs> when you realized you needed to do some work to heal. What were some of the things that you did? Like what worked? What didn't work? I just took time for me to actually create a safe space. Like, you know, I moved out my own, had my own place, but I just kind of just went from there to jump right back into like dating. So I was, I was ready. So I was kind of out of it the last year. I thought, okay, I'm ready now, but I wasn't. So creating, um, 
a great space in my apartment and really loving the, the space that we created, taking time for me to really what, do what brought me joy again. So I was like, oh, I guess I, you know, now I have time. So instead of you know, wallowing in like, oh, after I made some really bad mistakes dating, um, now I have time to focus on me. And that's really what I need to do at the time. And that's why I help with my people. And that was, you know, getting back out there and exercising, eating better, creating new friendships and getting back out there. Because a lot of times after divorce, as you know, you know, people choose sides and you need some single friends to have fun with. And just doing things every day that brought me joy and meditating and do affirmations and being grateful. So it was a whole kind of hodgepodge of like you say, holistic things and mental and physical things that really helped me heal. Great. And, and you know, and, and I love so many of the things you said because everybody knows I'm always talking about the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. And so many things you said were all about stage four. Stage, and that's where transformation begins, right? Stage three, we're stuck. Transfor, uh, transformation begins in stage four. And that's really all about, it's very action oriented, but not about, oh, that narcissistic person and, you know, healing and, no, 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 you know, and what they did. It's all about what do I need to heal? So it sounds like you were doing a lot of those things. And you mentioned, you know, creating this beautiful space and even having friends like it could be different friends that you need at that time. And that's so classic of stage four. When I talk about it, I, I explain stage four as like if you were to move, you know, if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take those things that don't represent who you want to be. You know, you want to be in this great space that's like, yes, that's who I'm ready for. And it's also a time that if your friends weren't there for you, you don't bring them with you. And it sounds very much like that's what you did. And the stage five things too, the eating well, the exercising, the stuff like that. So it's no wonder that a very different type of person is going to show up when you're in that stage four, stage five. You were just doing it unconsciously. You didn't know what you were doing, but you actually were moving right through the yeah. stages. There you go. Okay, so tell us the difference in who started showing up when you were, like you said, that train wreck to who you, you know, who you became, Do, you know, did you start attracting a different type of person to you? I did, but I'm going to preface that with, I am, as you are a giver. So we're, we're like moths to a flame to, or call yourself an empath to narcissists and cluster B personality types. And we love them because they're so fun and everything else. So I attracted a lot better men. That didn't mean I still didn't love that charmer. So I learned to see the red flags during that process, which is what I help my clients see when they come through the door. And setting better boundaries. That was a huge thing. Because I want to see the good in every other every person. And as givers, especially women, we always look for the good in people. And, oh, they're having a bad day. Maybe that's just a little red flag. But as they add up, you have to, like, really take heed. So people still present themselves to me that are, you know, toxic. I'll leave it at that rather than the label. Um, but I would say I get rid of them faster and mm -hmm. I have so many better people in my life that I just recognize that are good. They're givers. It's a give and take relationship. And the other ones that I see those signs, I go, no, it's okay. I don't get angry. It's not about the past. It's just, okay, they're not for me. And I have such a great circle of friends and family and my boyfriend's amazing. I think when you start with that positive energy, and you get rid of that, like you're judging new people, like people aren't all for you. So it's about finding the right people for you and keeping them in your circle and letting the rest go. That's Absolutely. How I see it. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And it's so true. And you know what? I know, because I always try to get into the minds of my listeners, my viewers, and they're like, wow, I need to set better boundaries. Give us an example of, if you can think of, like, what were some boundaries that the old you didn't set? And then you were like, no, you know what? Mm-mm, that's not working anymore. I need new boundaries. Yeah. What, what were some of them? Well, number one was learning how to say no. Like that was huge. Like, um, so I wanted to please everybody. So not only was I saying yes to people and maybe some backing out of some things with like friends or commitments. I mean, I'm not just talking about dating, but then your mind's like, you're not keeping your commitments, which takes your self-esteem down. So it's this whole cycle. So once I was able to say no, or, you know, and set to things I didn't want to do or couldn't commit to because I didn't have the time to do, or just something I didn't feel like they were for me when I was dating. Like there's just some energy. Like we have to trust our gut. That mm-hmm. we have intuition for a reason. And once I started trusting my gut and saying no, that's what really transformed um, my peacefulness in terms of taking my power back. That makes so much does sense. That answer your question. Yeah, it definitely does. Because <laughs> saying no is huge, and especially if if you know, you're a people pleaser and and you just think, okay, well, I need to be liked. I need to be accepted. Let me just say yes to everything. Then of course you're saying no to you. So uh, learning to say no is, is so super helpful. Let's talk about mindset. Where's mindset in all of this? Because the other thing is too, I think we get fearful after divorce. Also saying yes to things you're afraid to do, but you think you might have fun at. So there's that whole boundary. So that whole, uh, Juxtaposition. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. It's and I actually call it yes and no confusion, right? We say yes to the things that we shouldn't that that deplete us, and we say no to the things that could bring us joy, passion, and purpose. So I totally hear you. So so now let's say someone is they're on their own. This is so new and so unfamiliar. How do they feel more comfortable in this in this sort of new expression of them in this new chapter? Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good question. I think number one is trying to be more present because after a divorce, whether toxic or you're leaving the person, but I know your audience is more, I know, especially if it's a toxic situation, we kind of start not only not forgiving um, our person and moving on, it doesn't mean setting boundaries and letting them go, but also why didn't I see the signs? Why, why this? Why that? I should have got, left them sooner. And we can't beat ourselves up. So being in the present and being grateful for what you have, doing affirmations. I won't go through all that, because I'm sure you do, but you need to create like more positive neural pathways and a better, you know, build your self-esteem. Um, and you have to believe in what you're saying for affirmations and you can find them online, but it really helps you be more present. So it's like, I'm grateful for intangible and intangible things. So I'm grateful for waking up today i'm grateful for my dog or the sunlight or my car i just got you know or my new apartment so those things help you be more present which i think all of us we kind of live in the past and you can learn from the past i think it's wonderful but you have to be present and kind of that really helps you be more mindful and really appreciate what you have in a daily way and then just doing things that bring you joy i know when i was married i gave up some of the things especially if you have kids because I don't have kids there's so much time so like this is your new chapter if you reframe it a narrative like okay and you're gonna have bad days but like I have all this time every other weekend or to start learn something new or to get out of my comfort zone and travel on my own so traveling on my own and a lot of my clients it just like opens a new horizon so just enjoying your life now creating that new chapter I think 
What do you think? I think that's great. I mean, it's so we're. I think we're so conditioned to to like. I know I was I was raised where if you're having fun, you're not being responsible, and that's like the biggest crime. So, uh, for, I had to teach myself. Wait a second, having fun is a good thing, you know. And yeah. and I'm fun, and I like having fun. So that was such a, a relearning. And when you have that opportunity, and and I explain it with betrayal too, it shatters and destroys the old you, the old relationship, the old everything. So you truly have an opportunity to create whatever it is you want. So why in the world would you create a version of you that that felt unhappy or limited or stuck or something like that? Let's talk about being stuck because that, that is classic stage three out of the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. And stuck is where most people land and stay. What do you what do you say to the person who's like, nope, I'm I'm just this is where I am. Life stinks. I'm just gonna get through my day. Well, this comes from my success mind. So um, you have to actually take action. So we create uh, we create our mindset, right? I mean, we all go down different paths. Like you start going down memory lane, but we can choose to change that. So there are a few things. There's one coach that I love called Mel Robbins. Um, and we get it. It's for habit forming and everything. You like her too? I love her. Um, and then, yeah, I love her. So uh, if you count backwards, so you get stuck. I don't want to, you know, I'm so depressed. I'm so upset about this or beating myself up. But, and you're supposed to be going out on that walk for, that you planned that day or doing something for fun. You can count that five, four, three, two, one and take action. It engages your prefrontal cortex, which helps you engage in action so you can get yourself literally unstuck. So, and then just basically also planning like the night before, write down so you can stay in line like three to five. It might be two. Like you might be so, if it's soon after you're divorced, you're so beaten up. Two things you want to accomplish that the next day. And make sure you get up and do those things. It'll make you feel so much better, so much more confident, and just keep. Every day, it's, you know, patience with practice and keep those, you know, keep those, whether it's at gratefulness, affirmations, doing two or three things on your goals for the next day, even how they're small, like to call a friend or go to a meetup group and meet new people. I think just you start to feel better about yourself when you keep your commitments to yourself, even if it could be so hard, but just try to do that. Well, and you know, that's so important because that's also in betrayal anyway, self, self-trust is shattered. Right. We just because the person we trusted the most proved untrustworthy and we're like, well, if I can't trust that person, where was I? How did I not see? How did I not know? So we lose trust in ourselves. So keeping commitments to ourselves is one of the key ways of of rebuilding trust. You know, I love what you said about Mel Robbins too. the whole five, four, three, two, one. The, the idea is it doesn't give you that time to talk yourself out of it. And I remember one of my mentors yeah. saying, and I've said this on many, on many of the podcasts, that our gut knows, gets that intuitive hit, we know what's best, and then our mind talks us out of it. So the idea is you get that gut feeling or you make that commitment, you, you give yourself that idea to do something. Don't give yourself time to talk yourself out of it. And here's where you need the right people around you to support it because you can have the ain't it awful club where they're just commiserating together. And if anything is going to keep you stuck, it's that group. Or there's the group that helps lift and inspire. So talk to us about friendships and maybe friendships that don't mention names, (laughs) but maybe friendships (laughs) you had in the past and, and, and friendships you have now that just inspire you to think differently, be different. 
That's a great question. So they say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you're around a lot of negative people, it's going to drag you down, especially if you're trying to recover. And a lot of people, not I shouldn't say a lot, but some people, if they're in an unhappy place, they like to feed off the drama, feeds their soul, makes them feel better. So my friends now, I don't do that. And I, I might sound callous, but my friends, it's a give and take. They may have rough times. I'm supporting them and vice versa, but they're positive people. So I have to surround myself, I think, as we should all, with positive people that are able to get unstuck when they get into situations and really help themselves with your guidance or, or your, a friend's guidance. Um, and if they aren't that person and they're continually um, basically negative and trying to, you know, dragging me down because I'm an energy person, I really pull away. But mm -hmm. it's rare that I get those people in my life. But it still does happen, as you know. Yeah. I, mean, just I believe what you put out, you attract. But just because you do that doesn't mean you're going to get toxic people or people that aren't your style. And just I used to get angry. That's what used that changed too, way, way back. You know, oh, they're taking advantage of me, this or that. You know, that little little bit of a victim mentality, which was not me. But after my worst, I felt that way because I was just depleting myself. I think once you take your power back and set your boundaries, um, it's just happier. And you just kind of see those people for who they are. You go, oh, not for me. You just kind of give your distance. I think that was the biggest thing that I have going now. Yeah, that's that's huge. And you know, it's interesting because you said you know it may sound callous. I don't think so at all. It sounds transformed. There's a, there's a because here's where you're being deliberate and intentional about who you want to spend your time with. Because you're right. If you're with people who are negative, pessimistic, judgmental, critical, how, how could that not affect? how you feel, right? But on the other hand, if you're with people who just are supportive and, and doing big things or just have a zest for anything, you know, it's, it's just so, it's so inspiring. And that's not to say that someone like that doesn't have a bad day or isn't going through a rough time, but you'll also notice that when okay. they do, it's a very different experience. It's about the experience. It's not about them. It's about the experience they're going through. And yes, they may need support around it and you're going to bring your best to it, but it's not where they like perpetually live, you know, in that right. negative dark space. Very, very different. Yeah they're, yeah, they're resilient. They get out of it. So even like if you or myself, I mean, there's going to be a day and I go, oh, there it is. You know, I might not even realize what my feelings are and then we learn how to step out of it or we let ourselves kind of like feel that way for a little while and then do something that makes us happy and move on. Yeah. Right. And it's and, also, yeah, I think that's important. It's huge. Yeah. And it's, and you know, here's where the, the, the benefit of being in the right community is so helpful too, because let's say all of a sudden something happens, like maybe you never experienced, you know, death of a loved one or, or disease. And then you're with a very strong empowering group and that's where you tap into the wisdom because they've cleared that path already so it's new for you it's not new for them but the tools and resources they may have used or tried to help them heal can really help you as well it's i found um the the friends i have now uh, first of all i wouldn't have been able to be a good friend to them before my own healing and doing my own work and it's just a whole different thing um, when you're with when you're with the right support. So okay, I know everybody's dying to know. Tell us about 
matchmaking and what goes into that and how do you know who to match up with who and then I want to hear some success stories <laughs> and also some stories maybe that didn't go well <laughs> um so I uh so what what I do for matchmaking is I meet with people for you know I get to know what their life and relationship goals their value systems who they are past relationships um uh, politics religion hobbies I'm not sure if I mentioned that and then what they're looking for in a partner. So that's how we start. So we spend like a couple hours doing that, kind of getting to know each other. I work with my clients directly, so I really get to know who they are and make sure they're ready to be in a space for matchmaking. Like for what you do, you know that. So they might need to start with coaching first or someone like you or a therapist. So um, when they're, if they're in a good headspace for the matchmaking, they start working together. And then I introduce them to people that are fully vetted sounds really bad fully vetted um meaning they've done i've done background checks um i i met them in person or zoom with them and have interviewed them to make sure they're also mutually aligned with the life and relationship goals of my client and then i coordinate dates and send them out on dates um and then uh afterwards we follow up so i it's very much a high concierge process where everyone is screened and i know they're mutually aligned now can i predict chemistry no so maybe the conversation might not be like sparking or something, but no one's really been like, oh my gosh, what were you thinking? Cause I get to know my clients and I get to know the person I'm introducing them to. And most of the time I know both sides. Right. So it's fun. I really and, like it. And, and you know, but it's, it's interesting because you mentioned just different categories of things that you look into. Have you, have you worked with, with someone where it was like the most unlikely twosome that you were like, I don't think with their, you know, their habits and their preferences, this would ever work. And it did. So I have had that happen because a lot of some, sometimes after people, you know, people block themselves. So from future, they have a type in their head that is like, oh, they have to be the certain type and it may not work out. Um, I try to do things that are similar interests. I work with active, positive-minded singles. Mm -hmm. So most of them are active. They may not have the same activity levels, but they get stuck with a certain type. So I've had several instances, just even last uh, the last couple of years, uh, or last, sorry, last couple of months, that people were like, oh, I see a photo, not me, because they're amazing, and now they're dating again. I've had that happen in the past, too. Oh, well, it's not really my type, even after a first date. As you know, that rom-com stuff is can be thrown out the door. It's really about you know getting to know someone, creating that chemistry. We have to have chemistry with a person, but sometimes it doesn't happen on the first date. It could be an off day, they're nervous. So I ask them to go out on another couple of dates and see how it goes from there. And then they're like, oh, it clicked. Sometimes it doesn't, but many times it does. Wow, okay. That's a yeah. So it's really about staying open-minded. I mean, isn't that a good way to be in life anyway? It, when we go in with a certain expectation, we're just closing ourselves off to so much where instead, if we're open and, um, you know, we may be very surprised and here's, here's one thing just coming from the, the betrayal space. So often people are attracted to, uh, let's say they were dating a narcissist or married to one and came from a family of narcissists. 
it they may be attracted again let's face it they're very charming uh, but it's also so familiar so here's where familiar is not a good thing and if you find you're attracted to someone who's very familiar i would check your healing because very likely you may not be healed you may be stuck in stage three where you'll attract a very different person when you do the work to heal where you see someone who's familiar to who you've known and then you'd run for the hills you wouldn't be the least bit attracted to someone like that to your point, that's why I, got, I started being like, whoa, what's happening? So I had very good relationships up until a band of issues for my father, all that. And I, but I had good relationships. And when I got divorced, it was like narcissist after narcissist after narcissist. And I was like, all right, I need to take a step away. Because I, I was looking, I love that fun guy who's a polar opposite of my, my ex-husband. I was like, this is so fun. And then it's not so fun when the switch goes off. Yeah. So that's a really, really good point. And I was attracted to that for a while before I started this business and was like, Oh, now I'm getting it. Yeah. So I now go for the opposite. Like the meat, you know, not that like, please great, um, very charismatic over the top. Well, you know, I love you now. And, build a future on the third date. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's it. We will keep getting, people have heard me say this. We will keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach us those lessons that we have yet to learn. And it gets louder and louder and louder until you pay attention. And it sounds like you, you know, you, you got that. So, um, talk yeah. to us about, about trust and trusting again after divorce. I think that's, um, that's a tough one, especially after people have been, you know, in traumatic relationships. But number one, it's about, like you said, taking the time for yourself, building um, a joyful surrounding. This is your next chapter. And trusting yourself is key before, you, you know, you can trust somebody else. So that's big. And then also being able to be vulnerable, trusting yourself that you'll make the right decisions. And if you don't, it's not the end of the world. You can kind of get out of it when you're dating, right? People don't, you don't, you're going to meet some people that might be your style, but then seeing the rose red flags and being kind to yourself and like, okay, I see that this was not the right kind of person. So on the next guy, you know, I'm moving on. I, 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 I'm proud of myself for being able to move on from this person and moving on to the next person. So I think trusting yourself, and then the process, because dating can be tough. You're going to meet different people, but really being true to yourself and your gut when you're feeling that offness. Um, oh, well, why am I feeling this? Not just jumping right into a relationship. They, they need to prove themselves. Like when you're, I mean, I don't think you should block yourself, but trust isn't thrown blindly to the wind. It's about a process and getting to know somebody. That's and what it, I feel. And it takes time. And you know what was so great about what you said? Knowing that you can get out of it if you need to, that's a self-trust thing because that shows I trust myself that if I put myself in a situation that isn't the best for me, for me, I know I can do something, you know, do something to change it. As we wrap yeah, up, yeah, what do you want to make sure people know? Like, let's say someone is, and I do not ever recommend you date in stage three. It is so worth it to move through stage four and stage five because the caliber and the, the, the type of person you attract, the more you heal, will blow your mind. So whoever you meet in stage three, you're going to outgrow and you're not going to feel attracted to. It's not going to be a great match when you're in stage four or stage five. So my piece of advice is you're doing the healing work anyway. Just 
Take your time, heal yourself, go through the stages, and then start dating at stage four, stage five. Having said that, when someone is ready to date, when someone's ready, is there is there like I, I I would love to give them sort of like a okay, here's your here's your dating survival guide or your dating like strategy pack. What can what can we do to make sure they're armed and ready? As they I hate to say it sounds so it sounds so hard, but you know, as they're ready to take on this new dating world, what can they do besides uh, work with you? What else can they do? You mean in terms Okay, so I mean, I help people with co- coaching them. So that's the, that's the next stage after they're healed and ready to move forward. So how to pre- uh, present themselves online, which can be frustrating. So how not to get frustrated, how to attract the right kind of people, how to realize if they're scammers or, you know, are guys in relationships, things like that, because that happens online. So especially after you're healed, you don't want to get knocked off your feet again. So that's one way to meet people and help build confidence, getting over the fear of rejection. My main thing now, especially after COVID, is to get out mm. and go to like get, you know, a singles events, things like that. They're online singles events that are a little safer because you can actually see people and kind of get to know them. Um, there's a background check. So I highly recommend I do that with all my clients and people they meet. Because if you're coming out of a toxic relationship, you want to make sure that person doesn't have a criminal record or other things. So it's about being safe. So you don't want to waste your time on the wrong people. Um, so I help them with that. And then where to go to meet the right kind of people. Like as you're healing, it sounds like at stage three or four, I'm just learning your stages. Um, go to a hiking group. Go to a reading group if that's your thing. Go on a... building your friends you might meet someone that's amazing so i kind of help them navigate where they should go and what works for them from here i love that okay and and it's really true it's like you can't be really surprised if you go to a bar and you're like wow everybody's drinking you know and and you're wondering why is if that's not what i'm looking for you know why why am i here so you want to go to the place where people are doing things that you want to do what do you make what do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up a word of That's advice, right. a word of caution. <laughs> what do you want them to know? Okay. Um, the main thing is be true to yourself. Like if you don't love yourself, how is someone else going to love you at the level that you really want? So that's such a cliche term, but own you. Like celebrate who you are as an individual. Love yourself. Embrace your next, uh, your new life. Embrace your daily activities. And that's huge. Once you start really loving yourself and loving the life you've created, then you start attracting the right kind of people. And you know how you want to feel when the wrong ones come into your life too. Your gut will be like, oh no. So number one is to love yourself first and create a love life, a life that you love. And then the rest follows. I think that's so great. And you know, you know why it's so great? Because eventually the real you is going to emerge anyway. And then if you were just not being honest and authentic about who you are, and then it comes out later on, the person's like, wait a second, who are you? So you may as well be yourself starting off so there are just no surprises and you can just share your wonderfulness with the person who's worthy and deserving of that 2.0 version of you. So Christy, where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you do? It's kpmatchmaking.com. Um, they can schedule a free 20 minute, compl- uh, free 20 minute consultation. Um, you can give me a call, email. So everything's on there. 
So I'm always available for any questions or to help people get them get out there and date again and value who they are and just have fun with it. That's the main thing. You have to have fun. Yeah, that sounds so great. Remember everybody, no dating at stage three, get yourself through stage four and five, <laughs> and then you have my seal of approval. So Christy, I want to thank you so much for your time and your attention and your wisdom. I, I know it's, it's going to help so many people navigate, uh, dating after, uh, relationship ending or endings or divorce. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a great pleasure. I love how we so clearly heard what Christy unconsciously did that moved her out of stage three and into stages four and five. And the people who showed up in her life clearly showed her that what she was doing was working. Stay in touch with Christy by going to christyprice.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. An important part of healing is redefining boundaries. And for Christy, it was learning to say no and instead trusting her gut. Remember, healing involves changing what wasn't working. So if you were a people pleaser, pleasing everyone but yourself before you hit the dating scene, get your yeses and nos clear. So you honor yourself and what you want and think about it. It's so important because if you don't, eventually you'll only be resentful and the relationship wouldn't be what you want. So best to be clear with yourself and others at the beginning. I'm going to see if we can get Christy to be one of our certified coaches. How cool would that be to have a matchmaking coach within PBT? Just another amazing reason to join us in there to do all that healing that you need to become your 2.0 version. And if it's a fit, meet another 2.0 version worthy and deserving of you. We have everything you need to heal within PBT. See for yourself at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com and join us to heal and transform after betrayal. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.